just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. <laughs> Hello, world. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Just going to welcome the whole wide world into this (laughs) show. Welcome to the Rob and Callie Show. My name is Rob K, and I'm sitting with my sister from another mister, Callie Alpert. What's up, Miss Callie? Good evening, my dear. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, birthday girl? I'm doing great because I got my first birthday present from you. That's right. Which I'm very excited about. Anybody who knows me knows I like a little glow-in-the-dark, a little glitter, a little Bernie Man action. And my birthday's tomorrow. That's right. So we're getting a jump start, and you got me these very psychedelic bracelets that kind of light up and change colors, and I'm extremely excited, and I plan on playing with them the entire show. I have to tell you, they have special powers, and so if you start to feel like you're just feeling so great about yourself and about life, they're working. <laughs> so um, Me or everyone who's listening? Just Am everybody. I a conduit? Everybody. I'll come through right to, to the there. Grooviness? Yep, right, everybody well, will feel you, it. that meant a lot. Yeah, so happy birthday. Thank you, darling. I yes. appreciate it. Thank You're you. You're welcome. So everybody, welcome to another episode of the Robin Cali Show. Tonight we have a really great show. We have a great guest who I've known for a while, old friend, really great guy. I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation. If you want to join in on the conversation, the number is 877-480-4120. We welcome your calls. And you that do want to join in. That's right. It's like, why wouldn't you want to join in? Yeah. You know, we're just hanging out and talking. So, um, and uh, yeah, just to let everybody know, if you've never listened to the show before, the way this show started is that Callie and I have been friends for a long time. We used to do these Sunday morning therapy sessions where we catch up with each other, what happened during the week, and kind of vent to each other, give each other some guidance and stuff. We were like, this would be a great radio show. So... 15 years later, here we are. I know. It has been, like, since we first talked about it, it's probably been close to that. It's crazy, isn't it? Sometimes it takes a little while for a dream to take shape, but it does. It does. Ultimately, it does. It, it gets wings, and we're flying. So, yeah, tonight we're going to talk about something that I think everybody can relate to, which is change, and, and more specifically, can we really change? And uh, something happened to me today. Just yeah. I can kind of jump into the topic a little. What I uh, Well, I had a good day because I made an amends today. And not only did I make an amends, but it went well, which is great, you know. And uh, just practicing the kind of spiritual way of life I do. If I've done something wrong, I try and make amends, you know, just repair it, keep the energy clean and, you know, clean my side of the street. Yeah. And just take That's responsibility. Nice, nice yeah, you know. And... Um, just sort of make sure that I'm taking responsibility for my actions. And actually, the person I talked to today, I hadn't talked to in a very long time. And I was not only grateful that he gave me the opportunity to talk so I could make the amends, but he said to me that he acknowledged that it took a lot of courage for me to contact him at all to make the amends. Mm. And that alone just made me feel so good and proud of myself, but also so grateful to him that he understood that. Because making amends can be tough. So everybody who may need to make an amends, if you're thinking about it, take a chance. It may work out well, yeah. you know. I mean, I don't know if you can relate to that at all. 
didn't we probably just make one with each other in the last 24 hours? Um, at we some point, some little something. I'm, I'm I think so, we had a little something. You know, during the making of the show, we have a lot of creative differences. <laughs> and sometimes growing we, pains, we have very intense discussions. <laughs> and that is being honest with everybody. Yes, it is. But, but yes, I do think, um, certainly, I mean, I like to keep the energy clean as much as possible. And sometimes, um, you know, I don't know if it's harder. Like, I know that this was somebody that you hadn't seen in a while, right? This was someone who is an yeah. older friend. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know if it's harder to do it with people that you're actively involved with, that you have um, active current relationships with, or people where you have to kind of summon up and you're, you know, you call them and it's sort of a surprise. Yeah. But in either case, it's really nice to feel that you're safe and that you're being received and that you're able to be heard. So yeah, I commend both of you. That's great. I'm glad. Uh, thanks. And I think it's a part of change. I think, you know, one of the ways that I've changed is I try not to hold grudges anymore. Yeah. And, you know, if I don't make amends and I just kind of take space to myself, I just try and bless the other person or hope their life goes great, you know? So yeah. something like that. But yeah. just want to share that with everybody. So again, the number calls 877-480-4120. Going to introduce our guest. Yes. Tonight. Let's. Tonight, Hal Strickland is here, and Hal is the founder and CEO of Conscious Evolution Corporation. It's an organization based on the philosophy that work is not meant to be work. It's meant to be life. He's dedicated to helping individuals become the best presenters they can be and the best leaders they can be. Hal's work primarily with senior executives who need to take their presentations and leadership skills from competent to spectacular. So welcome to the show, Hal Strickland. That sounds really easy. <laughs> welcome, Hal. Thank you both very much. Thanks, Rob. I was chuckling at that introduction. <laughs> it's, listen, it's very well written. No I want, pressure. Uh, I wonder who wrote that. It uh, just it, it sounds so great. I think you know a lot. Of, I know a lot of people could use your services. Ah, uh, that's nice. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate sure. that. So it's well, good to be here. Yeah, welcome to the show. So tonight we're going to talk about this topic, which is can we really change? Mm -hmm. And I think part of getting into that discussion is maybe mm -hmm. talking about change in the sense that we have to be conscious of ourselves, have some consciousness to ourselves. And maybe, Hal, you can start with what is consciousness? Mm, what a big question. Or what is consciousness to you? Yeah, well, I love the way, Callie, even when you were both talking about your show and that your phrase bringing dreams to fruition that's a process 15 years that took and i think the most of us think of consciousness as just awareness you know as something that we become aware of but i think that's just really the beginning of change of of consciousness consciousness really is work it's commitment it's responsibility i think those three things really are part of it and because for most of us, I think, for certainly every human being I've ever met, there are, we are predominated by deep unconscious patterns that very much drive our lives. So those, it's uncovering some of those that we then bring to consciousness and then begin to work on integrating them into that evolving person that we are. Uh, I, I cite often, uh, rooted in my love for Carl Jung, the great psychiatrist. Mm. His uh, two lines, one, he says, everything that remains unconscious appears to us as fate. Everything mm. that remains unconscious appears to us as fate. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks very strongly to 
a condition for most of us as we experience life as something happening to us. Right. Rather than something we're creating. Right. Yeah. We're victims of That's the world. Right. Why does this whatever. keep happening as though it were occurring instead of a actual result of our own behavior? Yeah. But we don't see it that way because it's unconscious. Yeah. Mm. So the opportunity is to bring that into consciousness. Right. And so his second line is what we do not deal with on a conscious level our unconscious will still attract. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so. Damn it's, it. <laughs> it's, it's, I it's, know nothing Callie, about that's that. the bad news so and the good news, though. Mm. The good news is we have the power. Yeah, no, Well, there you go, Rob. It that's definitely keeps showing. It's like, it, I, I'm sorry, go no, ahead. Please, I didn't mean please, to please, cut please. you off. I just, I remember like even Oprah saying, you know, that, um, and I, I'm going to butcher the way she said it, but it was basically mm. that, you know, you're just going to keep, um, bang, patterns are going to keep showing up until you're just banging yourself against a brick mm. wall and you realize there's nothing you can do but decide to go in the opposite direction yeah. <laughs> because it's just repeat and it's sort of magical too mm. if you look at it from more of an opportunistic and you know place it's a magical amazing thing mm. how people and you know um, and situations continue to show up just to slap you upside the head mm. it's a pain in the ass but it's actually a, a real miracle yeah I think well you know? and that miracle that you know, magical amazing you said is that capacity we have as a species to observe that in ourselves we have this ability to transform unconscious patterns into unconscious patterns which i think is and it's part of the passion for what i do because that understanding is simultaneously both our humanity and our divinity Mm. we're the only Mm. species that can do that Mm. Mm -hmm. that can most we're we're driven by instinct i think the most evolved human 97 percent of their behavior is unconscious you know if we can isolate three percent and affect real change there we're evolving ourselves and therefore the species but that's a magical amazing thing to use your words you know that we can't we this capacity we have to identify bankrupt patterns in ourselves Mm. and to actually begin the work the commitment the responsibility to ourselves Mm. to uh trans transform them yeah into consciousness i had and and going along these lines it's like i remember when i learned the power of watching my thinking and i talk about this on the show a lot Mm. that that the power is really watching my thoughts because that changes my feelings and that changes what i manifest Mm. And um, as far as bringing that unconscious to the more conscious level. And I remember when, because I felt like I was a victim of the world for most of my young adult life. And then I remember when I started to learn that I was looking for people to take care of me. And I wasn't paying attention to my environment enough or my surroundings. And I needed to sort of go from being like a little cub to a bear. Like really start (laughs) taking care of myself more where I didn't need everybody to look out for me all the time. And that was a step forward. And then from there, I remember when I went from, this is one of the most empowering things I've ever learned in my life. I went from, I can't do this anymore, to I won't do this anymore. And you want to talk about going from victim to feeling empowered in a conscious way and really changing, that changed my life completely. 
Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I try and practice it. I don't, I don't <laughs> stay there all the time. Great. But yeah, I rock. like to visit it once in a while and be like, oh, yeah, this is great. But back to your point, does that mean that, because I want to feel a little bit better about myself, especially mm-hmm. tonight because it's my birthday tomorrow. So yeah. you just you can overindulge me a bit. By the way, I just have to say, these blinking lights on your bracelet are awesome. Aren't they super yeah, groovy? I hope no one in the room is getting dizzy because these can negatively, certain people are sensitive to this sort of light and all that. So if our guest, hopefully you won't you know, keel over with psychedelic over overload um but are you saying too that someone like the dalai lama or some highly evolved yogi sitting on a mountaintop in the you know in um wherever in india still is coming from a place somebody who's practiced mindfulness and awareness for a very long time in a deep kind of transcendent meditative way mm. is still only operating from like 97 or 3 percent consciousness on average you know that's, not to get scientific but yeah that's a know. completely subjective yeah. view but yeah. i it may be exaggerated, but to make yeah. the point yeah. of... I won't hold you to the exact yeah. percentage. Yeah. No pressure. But, I, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, we're here five minutes. We call it 80 years, you know. And within the first 20 seconds, those patterns are set in place from those who preceded us. Mm. And that, you know, it's my view, just having fun with this, if 500 years from now, they'll look at us and they'll look at, people from 2000 years ago and you know see no real difference mm. <laughs> you know, that that in terms of the ground we still have to cover in front of us so there are those relatively enlightened beings but each of those people are just on their own journey as well but i think the real key is i love the little anecdote of uh in the early 20th century gk chesterton the great british writer was asked by the London Times and a good 25 people were asked to submit an essay entitled, What is Wrong with the World? Mm. And G.K. Chesterton famously submitted his, uh, Dear Sirs, I am, sincerely G.K. Chesterton. (laughs) And the point is that, you know, that the part of our growth as a species even, any of us can do anything about is ourselves. So that's... uh, I think the task for all of us, yeah. including the Dalai Lama. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's our and really, it's really the only thing we have control over. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think it's our responsibility to ourselves, to our higher power, and to those around us who love us. But mm-hmm. we'll get into that in in a little while. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join the conversation, when we come back, we're going to talk, get and dig a little bit deeper about the concept of change, and if w- people, if we're all actually able to to do it. Um, the number is 877-480-4120. You're listening to talkradio.nyc. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Robin Kelly Show. We are coming to you from the talkradio.nyc studios. We got Sam on the board tonight. We got Callie in the studio. We got Hal Strickland here as our guest. And tonight we're talking about can we really change? Can we really change Callie Alpert? Change it. Turn the faces um, change. I believe, you know, let's see. So when's the first time I thought about this? As I was just saying to Sam during the break, it's hard for me to even dredge up relevant like stories on my own because it goes so deep. There's so much that's in there on, the, you know, on this topic. It's hard to like um, just kind of give you easy anecdotes and stories. Um, but I probably the first time I ever really thought about this 
had to do with um, romantic relationships. When my girlfriends and I would talk about our relationships, challenges we were having with um, m- with men and you know people that we were dating or in deeper relationships with determining whether we were going to get married to them or whatever, mm-hmm. sticking point, you know, all the natural things that, that, that occur in relationships. And I remember, I don't know, um, there, was, there were examples I saw around me where there were people um, that changed and sort of stepped up to the plate and old habits that were getting in the way of them going forward shifted. And then there were situations where it didn't. Um, I want to be careful here not to put it all on the men, but we were girls talking about, you know, (laughs) I want to be, I've since learned that it's equally on the women and we're equally, you know, oh, thunder outside. I don't know if anybody around the world can hear that. I think it's the Italians who say when you hear a loud noise when you're talking, it means you're saying the truth. So it must be the truth that men and women share responsibility. We all have to take ownership for our stuff. Absolutely. And that was a major thunderbolt if nobody could hear that outside. But yes. So, um... Uh, you know, anyway, I think that that was definitely um, a big lesson is that, you know, I, we, we bear witness to certain people shifting and other people not and realize that there was a choice in there. That was probably one of my younger relationships with just noticing human behavior and when we can shift. Certainly as time's gone by, I realize, you know, how much changing I've needed to do or things I'm still working on when it comes to the way I perceive the world, when it comes to my levels of acceptance or surrender, yeah. or my place in relationships, my place in, you know, everything. Yeah. And that really the only thing I have control over is me and how I change, how I react you know, so yeah. um, it's so, a loaded word and a loaded, you know, lo- loaded um, concept. Yeah. You know, and so how? Because you really brought up this topic. So you know, tell us, like, can we really change? What do you think? Well, I, I, I believe so. Yes. I mean, I think that's uh, what I mentioned even earlier. That passion for what I do, because there's so much satisfaction in it, so much growth in it and the the feeling of that Mm -hmm. Uh, i do think that uh you know a a very wise man important man to me who's been something of a mentor figure said to me years ago he said how our entire evolution is a slow move from compulsive reaction to conscious choice so a lot of space in between most of that unconscious behavior is a reaction pattern Mm. So that we can begin to observe, observe ourselves mm-hmm. by how, you know, what we're doing there. It's very easy. That's the old cliche, right? You're pointing one finger at someone, there's three pointing back at you. Yeah, you know, and it's silly, but it's cliche for a reason, you know, and that no matter who that person is, I always joke if, you know, if uh, like who's crazy or Hannibal Lecter or the person who asked him to babysit. Mm, exactly. You know, if someone's so out there, what are you doing there with them? Mm-hmm. So that's the part that you have to look at mm-hmm. what attracted you there. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I do, uh, I, I think that we do as part of that unconscious patterning where you encounter those things is because if it's, you know, rooted in family, you know, the for fam- example, right. Just well, to take a random example, <laughs> let's talk about family. <laughs> and, and if it's, you know, the, the, the play on the word familiar family or, you know, that these are learned behaviors uh-huh. that and those people who taught them were de- only learned them themselves. Right. So these were those unconscious patterns. So I don't know a human being who, though, the recipe of, of, of you know, perfection was in place. So there is, we will unconsciously attract those people. Yeah. The great German psychiatrist, uh, Alice Miller, calls it the uncanny knack 
to find just those people who represent or represent those familiar to us from the core. It's yeah. amazing how that happens. Yeah. It's it really is amazing. But it's also beautiful. It is. Because it's giving it's providing us the opportunity to resolve that pattern that was we were completely incapable of it of doing so early. Yeah. But that's then too how we begin to transcend those patterns. Yeah. I think both and and heal ourselves, heal the family and which is what makes it so worthwhile. Yeah. Well, if we talk about Change. that yeah. And if we talk about that, our vibe, you know, we attract people by the vibe we're putting out. And if we have all those wounds and all those triggers that we haven't deactivated or healed yet so we can change the vibe and start attracting new people and new experiences into our life, we're going to keep repeating that pattern. And that's what we talk about a lot here in the spiritual playground of the Robin Kelly show. We talk about that. That's our work to change is to focus on those wounds and heal. And, you know, I love that thing. Somebody told me um, the universe will keep breaking your heart until it breaks open. And then once it breaks open, then you can get the grieving done and the sadness and the feelings out and heal that stuff. So you can become a changed person and have a changed life. Yeah. Which Callie is in the process of like myself right now. <laughs> Every freaking day. What a pain in the ass. No, it's not just about me. Callie and I have that Batman thing. Commissioner Gordon line where you just pick up the phone and yeah, hello, Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> You're not talking about a conversation we had earlier today, are you? Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, and well, I think I, I also, I mean, we joke, I mean, this is certainly, it's, it's not about any one particular person, you know, we happen to have these microphones in front of us every week and try to be transparent yeah. and, you know, and we're sensitive human beings. So we're, we might be in process at least more, um, loudly than other people might be, you know, I mean, just if you're, you know, if that's what your priority is in life and you're trying to work stuff out and really hold up a mirror and you're going through transition or whatever it is because it's it's typically in some sort of crisis mode um that i think you first recognize that something needs to change right it's always i mean the first time i went to therapy i was in crisis mode out in, in a relationship and needed just to vent you know the value the um that needs to come out first so like you said you crack open and then everything starts flooding out then you realize there's a lot of work to be done after you get you know get the original like the i'm sorry the initial purges out mm. and realize the value of really now having to start paying attention and noticing that you know everything is a mirror every person every situation i mean i used to marvel at how in work dynamics once i got older and tried to become more mindful about all these things and had more therapy and was more in my spiritual practice that you know work is one of those places where you don't pick people at least not in the cosmic you know we could say we pick everybody our parents but if, <laughs> if we table that to not scare everyone who's listening hmm. um, and get too woo woo you know you don't technically pick the people you work with but it is miraculous how they I, I mean it's almost archetypal the people that show up just to hold up a mirror to your stuff in a setting that has nothing to do with your personal life in, in theory, yeah. you know, and I've seen it happen time and time again. Yeah. So I think going um, back to your point, how when you start really noticing that and decide that you even want to um, awaken to the prospect that all of these patterns are happening for a reason and there's something to, um, to you know, there, there's some changing that can be done and you then choose to want to change. It's amazing what shows up. It's hard. It's not pretty, but it's amazing. Well, how do you find that? I guess that people transfer a lot of that family stuff onto work relationships. 
I, I think there you can make those connections. You know, that in, in many cases that we do unconsciously seek out the familiar, the family or, you know, as we were talking about. I, I, I think, too, though, to your I loved your point, Rob, about, uh, you know, the, the heart breaking open. It's the um, line of Stanley Kunitz and his poem, The Testing Tree. I love so much. He says in a. In a murderous time, the heart breaks and breaks and lives by breaking. You know, that there is that, uh, that, that the, the bankruptcy of a pattern, you know, that we play out until we can't bear it. Mm-hmm. And then that motivation, you know, you look up motivation in the dictionary, it says an emotion or desire that causes us to act. So that we move from that, that that's the motivation and it's sort of the, the seedbed for the willingness to begin that process of looking at ourselves. But I think it's really important if it's at work, if it's in, you know, romantic relationship, like you and your girlfriends were talking about, you know, 10 years ago. We were were young. It was longer ago than that, so don't hold it against me. I'd like to think I'm a little more mature now. But 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 she was still wearing blinking bracelets. (laughs) I was definitely wearing blinking blinking bracelets. Or maybe it was a blinking necklace. Anyway, how? go ahead. Well, just that it's that that what we have the opportunity to build within ourselves. When I said consciousness is not just awareness, it's work, it's effort, it's commitment. We, we, we have to uh, work within the understanding that change is not a snapped finger, it's a process. Yeah. But that work is also responsibility. And a, another play on words I love, the word responsibility is responsibility. You know that we're building that. These are nice. Ourselves. I like these little. Yeah, these are yeah. cool ways of breaking up the words. But but that foster that sense of, of of I think esteem in one's own growth and evolution because yeah. it's not revolution, it's evolution. You know that that's you know I love the book uh, Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point, which mm-hmm. is his signature book, really, and the subtitle is how small changes can make a big difference. Mm. So it does, sometimes the, that four degree shift, it's not 180, make a four degree shift, but you know, stay committed to that. Yeah. And six months later, you're in a very different place than you would have been otherwise. Just yeah. looking at a flight trajectory, a, yeah. a slight movement. And so that can help us with the process. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, when you talk about that, it just reminds me of this idea that pain motivates change, like we've been talking about in the sense that, you know, a lot of times in my life, there's been so much resistance to change. And I usually I, I don't wake up in the morning. Usually I'm like, oh, I'm just going to change everything in my <laughs> life. You know, it's usually when things are going tough and the pain is getting so great that I have no other choice. Now, I've learned how to make changes in a more enjoyable way. You know, it's something I try and practice, but I agree with you. It's like a lot of times that motivation comes from a place of discomfort and we want to get more comfortable because we've outgrown where we are. Yeah. And as far as, you know, evolution that's, you know, something that I think everyone can relate to because we're all evolving. I think that's part of being a human being is that we're changing every day. Do you think, and um, before we're going to go to break in, in just a moment, but what I'd like to get, um, we could at least plant the seed for okay. is what, what is the biggest deterrent from people deciding to change? You know, given that we've established that it seems like everybody can change if they choose to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is that true? First to start, just to establish that? Yeah. That everybody... I, Yes, I think so. I think to that point with with the how did you put it, Rob, that uh, pain is change. Yeah, uh, that um, 
that there's the, the two kinds, really, of, of motivation that move us toward that. One is moving away from pain, and one is moving toward pleasure. Yeah. So if a person's in a house that's on fire, they haven't run in three years, they're highly motivated to change and <laughs> to, to run out of that building. Ideally, yes. Right. If, if they make it to the corner panting and 100 yards away, someone's waving $500 bills and says, first one here gets it, they're going to be motivated again from the other kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that deterrent, and I'll just say, I think is perfectionism. Oh, well, that, that I was is thinking fear was coming out. Yeah, Ooh, that, you just got me on that. That one. is that's a deep. that's a great lead that's in for the, the next segment. We're going to talk about that when we get back. So keep listening. We're coming to you from talkradio.myc. This is the Robin Callie Show. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Robin Callie Show. We're here with Hal Strickland. We are talking about the concept of change and if we are all capable of it and how we go about doing so. Um, Listening to talkradio.nyc, the number is 877-480-4120. And we welcome you um, back and we welcome you to um, call with any questions, comments, stories you want to share. Except happy birthday wishes for me because I'm just being such a Leo right now. Sure, me. It's go for my it. Style, but hey, there's a microphone in my face. Um, so before we um, took a break, how we were talking about the biggest deterrent to change and what what it is that most often gets in people's way, and your answer was perfectionism. And how does and in what form? Well, just that it's uh, the the. The expectation, it, it's a lack of awareness that change is a process and that we work on change and that the constant two steps forward, one step back, uh, that, you know, that, that you're climbing up a wall and you go up 20 feet and then you slip down 10, but then you go up 15, you know, you're continuing to advance. But I think that most people, as soon as there's a slip up, there's a vulnerability to abandoning themselves. And to think, oh, this won't work. I can't do this. And so it's the, 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 the understanding of that that can make such a difference. The expectation of doing it perfectly uh, is um, uh, what, what seems to get in the way more than anything. Mm. Also, I will add, you know, that, that, you know, that it could be, that there's also the factor of, uh, confusing knowing what to do with doing what you know. Mm-hmm. You know that knowledge versus wisdom. You know that knowing something a person can know. Let's say a person's you know reached that point of heartbreak around weight and wants to work on changing that. They can a, a, you know a third grader can understand that eating more vegetables can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Getting a variety of them into your diet each day. But knowing that and actually going to Fairway and buying a variety of vegetables and coming home and cutting them up and carrying them with you to work is a very different proposition. Mm -hmm. So a lot of change, it sounds like, requires some action. Mm. There's some action involved. Like it's not just going to, a metamorphosis is just not going to happen. You know, there's Mm -hmm. some action that we need to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, and I'm so I be, I'm curious because now I'm just yeah. thinking of examples for myself and even just people around me now. If we could ground this in some more like applicable um, mm-hmm. examples, we'll mm-hmm. get to some takeaways and actionable steps a little bit later on. But you know, um, like, do you see um, in your work? Do you see people needing changes more, for example, in their dynamic with their relationships versus their mm-hmm. relationship with their work versus their relationship with their self? Is there one that you notice that's more? Um, common or pervasive or troubling than other ones are or is it kind of well I'll answer that but I'll also say that uh, you know the the perfectionist piece I like to think a perfectionist is you know someone who sees imperfection everywhere you know (laughs) that that that's the the template for it so if to tell me your question again, Callie. I'm yeah, sorry, sorry cuz I loaded it up with Yeah, a yeah, lot but of I was just trying to say two I, things at once. Um so do you, is there one type of uh change that you see more commonly necessary sort of like in our modern day society? Um uh, th- that I mean every person comes to that you know if if what where where, where the the bankruptcy of that pattern if it's in a relationship, if it's with food, if it's with sexual behavior, you know, if it's in the type of work that they're doing. Uh, And I think what's so important first to see is that whatever, however we were using that, however that behavior was being played out, learned that core, as we talked about, had a purpose. It served a purpose. It works on some level until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in, in my... I do work with individuals, you know, if it's uh, who come to me, uh, you and I talked, I've done some work with weight loss, even separate from that. So I do work with people on that, for example. I know I worked with this one woman over the course of many years, and we celebrated uh, her arrival at uh, successfully losing 90 pounds, Mm, you know, over time. But in celebrating that, we also celebrated that in losing 90 pounds, the, in the process of losing 90 pounds, she had, all, she had actually lost about 680 pounds. Because, you mean of psychic weight? Or? Well, no, in that you know, there would be a period of, of, of steady success, maybe down 20 pounds, and then life happens. Oh, I see. And the yeah, unconscious yeah. kicks back in to yeah. defend ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly seven of it's back on. And that's where I go to, you know, that deterrent of perfectionism because, ugh, I blew it. Guess what? That person would still be down, what was I say, 13 pounds. Yeah. So then getting back up, you know, the, one of my favorite little sayings, fall down seven times and get up eight, you know, just that. So that's where that perfectionism gets in the way. Yeah. And I think perfectionism is just a great way for us to beat ourselves up. I think that's really what it is. And when we talk about the original wound or the family stuff or the patterns of not liking ourselves because we didn't get enough love or nurturing or attention or whatever the story is that people grew up with, I think our job is to change what we're telling ourselves and how we're treating ourselves. And so maybe an early takeaway or something to offer people to, you know, sort of change in their life and something easy is just watch what you're saying to yourself Mm -hmm. because perfectionism is impossible. It's impossible to have everything right all the time with everybody. And so the more that 
I can learn to relax a little and allow mistakes for myself and for me to learn. Like one of the challenges for me is I feel like I should know something, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I should know that. It's like, no, I'm learning. And I've gotten so much better at that, having humility that I'm learning about that. And, And just, you know, Hal said something earlier on, and it's so important. You don't have to do a 180. You can do four degrees, like just take a little step to not being so perfectionistic tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had that. I don't know if you liken that if analysis paralysis and if if that's too much of a digression from your version of um, perfectionism in this case a little bit. Mm, a little bit yeah that we get caught in that and there's judgment and there's self-judgment and it doesn't serve us because i'm i I mean i can relate in terms of like changes even in this you know transition that i talk about ad nauseum now because i'm so deep in it of the last like few years professionally and creatively but it's happened many times in my life especially like as a creative person um where I knew that I wanted to make a shift, but then I over—I got so caught up in what the ideal sh- change is going to be that I didn't make any change, and I just kept thinking about making a change mm-hmm. and getting stuck in my version of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. So at least when you said that before, that really, you know, that really set something off in in my mind because I thought you were going to say fear, uh, not that they're mutually well exclusive of each other. Well, and I think that was very insightful of you. You know that the. Uh, the, the boogeyman aspect of that can, you know, the, the perfectionism becomes a, 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 a form of fear and that it's a, it's a, it's a apparition, you know, that, that this is the end. It's not true. Yeah. Necessarily. And, uh, you know, to, to your point, Rob, of, uh, you know, if it's whatever the change may be, you know, if it's, uh, with work, for example, you mentioned, you know, introducing me that working people on presentation skills, on leadership skills, that there's, it's not just, uh, you know, some of these, you know, family oriented personal demons that we're exercising. It can be a recognition as one evolves in their career. I need to be more confident. I need to be cultivating a perception of myself as more confident Mm. and a deep understanding of that and working on that, understanding things that you can do to help with that. Charisma, you know, how that can serve you in your work. You use the word humility. Yeah. You know, just a deeper understanding of if you ranked yourself on a scale of one to 10 in terms of confidence, where are you? And if you see it's a three, well, in the next year, I want to bring it up to a four. Mm-hmm. So that you can identify specific things you can do. to How I'm at that. about a nine. So there's not, <laughs> like, there's not a whole lot of more learning or room to grow here. So mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be a great client. But <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and that's not he's, true. He's anyway. His, he's spending his money on other, uh, other things. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's, you know, just that uh, certain qualities, you know, that people begin to often in the work environment through 360 reviews through input they're getting as part of their growth recognize are deficient mm. and and my teaching too you know in the in the business world and even beyond the word presentation has come to mean the deck that you bring to provide a you know a, a presentation mm-hmm. or the handout and that's not a presentation <laughs> you're the presentation mm-hmm. you know every time you're trying to get a point across yeah so it's really uh yeah the the, the willingness to look at yourself yeah. you know I, I i think uh you know when Callie and i spoke uh, earlier 
I shared what uh, would probably be a great possible guest for you guys, this brother and sister oh, right. who yeah, built this, this incredible device called a true mirror. Have you ever heard of a true no. mirror? Isn't no. It a great, it's a great expression. Too. Isn't Before that great? I knew that it was a physical thing, I, I, I just thought it was a really cool expression. And Yeah, yeah, tell fact, us. Uh, well, I had thing. a former colleague who was in town a number of years ago and a, came upon it in the restroom of a bar in the East Village, but it's a, it's a box. You heard of it, Sam? I saw your face. It's a box, and inside the box are two mirrors fit seamlessly together at 90-degree angles, providing the opportunity, looking into it, to see the actual image that others see when they see you. We don't think of it, but we're in the restroom washing our hands, and we're seeing the inverse, and we're also seeing a flattened image. Well, mentioning birthdays, you know, mine was a few days right. ago. Happy, birthday. Happy birthday. birthday, Hal. Thank you. And uh, today is Madonna's birthday, by the way. I think that's worth mentioning. But, yes. uh, and then tomorrow's Robert De Niro, and I think Sean Penn and <laughs> yeah. Mae West is tomorrow. And but my point being it, that now in my late 50s, looking at this true mirror for the first time in my early 50s, instantly all I saw was that this under part of my nose is like completely asymmetrical. I was horrified. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm six feet three. I, people have been meeting me my whole life thinking what happened to this poor man's nose when I thought I had a perfectly gorgeous nose. You know? <laughs> so, the point is it's, it's, it's very difficult to mm-hmm. look at yourself. Yes. We're not designed for it. Yeah. Now, both of you are professional speakers, but you ask the average person, have you ever heard your voice on voicemail? They cringe just at the question. Yeah. But it's so important to, to say, to learn, that's you. Yeah. That is exactly you. You can work with that. Yeah. You don't like it? You don't like your voice? Let's work on that. Yeah. It's the Robert Burns, the beautiful line uh, in his poetry. He says, oh, what a gift. The gifty gias to see ourselves as others see us. So that work of really the, the, the bringing of, of individuation, of wholeness, of perceptions Bridging the gap between perception, what other people see, and what you want them to see. Mm. Yeah. 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 And it's like the difference between perception and reality. And perception is so important. It's like, what's that line? You only have 10 seconds to make your, a good first impression mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the perception that people see you. Yeah. Do you think that um, more people how... Um, do we need to? Oh, okay. So quickly, I'll, I'll pose this question. Then we're okay. going to go to break. And then we'll, we'll um, look forward to hearing the answer when we come back. I, I'm curious in um, in hearing your take on whether you think more change gets motivated by ourselves or by somebody else. Mm. You know, because often it is in relationship of whatever kind. You know, in, in a million different dynamics that go right. on every day, where something. You know, if you're living in a vacuum or in a cave, how much do you notice mm. about changes you want to make? Unless they're just internal ones that you want to make about the way you view something yeah. outside mm. your cave. Yeah. Well, I liked how you put it earlier, uh, that everyone's a mirror of sorts. And I think we brought those people, even the, some of the most difficult people in our lives, ultimately, if we work with what they're telling us, prove the most transformative forces in our life. You're saying it's never about them? <laughs> right. Dang it. <laughs> All right, and, well, and with that, Callie's not a victim any longer. She's empowering herself and making changes like all of us. Um, you're listening to The Robin Callie Show. We'll be right back. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Hey everybody, welcome back to the Rob and Callie show. So we're continuing our conversation about can we really change and talking with Hal Strickland. And um, yeah, I think something very valuable for people is maybe some takeaways or actionable steps, even little steps they can take in order to change in their life. Hal, what are some thoughts you have? Well, um, call me. (laughs) Good plug. There you go. But, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll throw in just, you know, you, I love the question you asked about what's the greatest detriment to change. And, you know, just instantly perfectionism popped to mm. mind, you know. And if you asked also maybe counter to that, what's the most important ingredient to effective change, especially change that we integrate into our life, would be forgiveness, Mm. That, you know, that it's so important, I think, recognizing that uh, a a, a respect, a a gentleness, you know, you can't see this, of course, but like rubbing my shoulders a little more of this and a little less of this. Yeah, a little less slapping on the wrist as you're doing. You know, because it's, (laughs) it's difficult. You know, consciousness is work. Yeah. Consciousness is commitment. You know, consciousness is responsibility. So there's effort involved. So uh, support, I think, crucial to that. Uh, You know, and I think as we do evolve as a species, there's more of that. If a person has a you know problem, the twelve-step programs, uh, you know, religious practices, whatever, where people find that support, therapeutic groups can make such a you know shared experience. If there's uh, uh, the loss of a particular loved one that has brought something, you know, finding those others who are sharing in that experience so that you can mirror in a positive way. Hal, it's such a great point you bring up. And I'd like you to explain, why do you think that we need support so much? Um, like, why can't we just do this uh, on our own? I think it's well, some people, the, some, and some people can't, sorry to cut you no, off. And just, I'm thinking of a few examples, just in people that I've known mm. in recent years that have made some major changes, quit some major habits done in on their own. And I've often wondered mm. if it's sustainable for them. So to that point, well, I think it's the, again, you know, we can't see ourselves, you know, that we're not designed for that. But if someone shares our struggle, and we'll feel the empathy for them we'd never feel for ourselves. Where we would feel empathy for them, we'll feel judgment for ourselves. And in that empathy, some of that can come back to us mm-hmm. through the identification of ourselves and that other person, mm-hmm. through the relating to that. There's balm, there's healing, mm. and that facilitates transformation. Judgment never does, hatred never does, self-hatred. It's, so the support can play uh, a very important uh, role in that. Absolutely. Yeah. The reason why I bring it up is because I know a lot of people in my life personally and mm-hmm. professionally who have a lot of trouble asking for help or getting support, mm-hmm. and they try and figure it out on their own, and they have trouble yeah. in life yeah. more than others who sort of realize, you know, I can't do this on my own, and it's not meant to be a mm-hmm. solo journey. It's meant to sort of be a shared experience. Well, that's, you know, I think you, you kind of get to the, the heart of the, the problem for most of us mm-hmm. is accessing that willingness to ask for help, yeah. to reach out. I don't know why that's so hard for us as, as you know, it's, that, that it's, it's excruciating. 
but sometimes the pain is just enough to propel someone toward that action. So safety in that is important. Yeah. Uh, if it's finding that right person, if it is support. I know in, in, in my work, uh, you know, it's, it's in, especially in businesses, an incredibly valuable tool in, the, you know, in that regard. Sometimes there are deep wounds that are very hard to seek help for. But if in the work context, a mirror, yeah. you know, in terms of you're the presentation, Let's get you on, uh, excuse me, I meant to say a camera. Let's get you on tape. That's a very powerful tool for mm. me mm. is, okay, just go. And then you play it back and every person will see three things they had no idea they were doing. Yeah, they have to really face yourself. That's right. Yeah. And that they are the littlest, the smallest shift with some of those things will bring the confidence right up. Yeah. Will bring the sense of presence right up. Yeah. yeah. It's not a revolution. Yeah. It's yeah. an evolution. I so also tools. Think, I also think there's there's something to be said for just having a safe place to be vulnerable and sharing in that energy. I mean, mm. I even think of like how I always prefer to meditate in groups than by myself, although mm. I've gotten more accustomed and started to enjoy it on, mm. on my own more over the last year. But I really enjoy a room full of people meditating because there's an energy that grows and perpetuates. Mm. So, at, you know, conversely, you know, um, sense of community or getting help doesn't have to come in the form of big groups either. It can be with one therapist or one friend or one parent or one minister or whatever it is. I mean, everyone has to decide right. for themselves. But I think there's a common um, human experience of vulnerability and knowing that you can crack open and you're safe. Mm -hmm. And to do that in a vacuum is not really very, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And, and that's where your word that you thought I would say is so relevant fear the fear factor that's right you know the uh, and and you know when you s the the idea that i expressed that you know that you're the presentation you know that every time you're communicating uh you know jerry seinfeld's line he talked about you know the that uh, some people would rather be in the box than deliver the eulogy you know there's universal fears about having to speak <laughs> public speaking That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah i've worked with yeah. very senior yeah. people people yeah. who are growing in their career yeah. and as they grow they hit a mark where they have to be more public and they encounter that fear and so the first question is make this fear go away mm -hmm. and i would say if i could i wouldn't you know it's if i had a pill i could give you i wouldn't because it's emotion you know so it's working with the fear you know transforming it into enthusiasm you know, it's uh, that, that is so effective to how you communicate. Well, and we're talking about, you know, looking at ourselves. And this is like, I think, one of the biggest challenges for anybody is to mm -hmm. slow down, stop looking at everybody else, blaming them mm -hmm. and really take a look at ourselves. And Callie and I joke around about old SNL skits and Jack Handy. You know, when we think <laughs> of like titles for the show, we're like, that's too Jack Handy-ish, you know, like mm -hmm. I was walking on a beach, you know, that kind of stuff. But also like that whole the thing about shine of your soul. Yeah. Like Stuart Smalley, you know, he looks in the mirror. He's like, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm likable enough. And people think Gosh, I'm great. People yeah. Like me or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, but they're, even though that's so corny, it's like, like there is a power when you can actually look at yourself in the in the mirror, literally, you know, and I, I think sometimes it's just practicing a little of that. The other thing is I just want to mention is acting as if 
I think that is so powerful that we don't have to do lots of big changes, going back to little steps, just kind of act as if a little. I'd like to, so I think um, just to, you know, in, in our remaining minutes, just some so that we can really offer our listeners some takeaways. It sounds so far, I think what we've gathered is everything from number one, being willing to just want to make a change and being conscious enough to look at yourself in the mirror figuratively and maybe even literally um, to use it as an opportunity to want to do the work and kind of crack yourself open because something's not working for you. What ha- and that's an individual thing, which ultimately is all we really have responsibility for. But what about when you're in a group dynamic, whether it's with siblings or parents or lovers or wherever, where a few people need to make changes in order for the homeostasis to shift and work? Is it, is it ever about doing it together or is it still ultimately about taking care just of your own business and hoping the rest falls into place? I, I think if all, to use your example, three people are willing they each have to be willing. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, the, they, they each have to be willing to do their part of the work. Uh, and that, I think, you know, in terms of a family dynamic would be a more, uh, the type of change suitable to a therapeutic model, mm-hmm. certainly. I know I've worked many times with teens in businesses who are looking to uh, refine their interactions with each other to help themselves that way. Uh, and... Uh, that, that that can be very productive to, to be to build a you know a team principles right. you know so that can be part of how they are growing as a group mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but all players involved have to be yeah. interested in working together to be malleable and to, to be willing to fix the dynamic yeah I, like saying, I, I right? think so I think so many times when there's crisis in relationship you know in a, uh, a marriage or in any relationship Unless both people are willing to step up to do the work, one can't do it for the for the two. I think yeah. it, that never works. Uh, I, I, I would add too, because I love how you added some tangibles uh, that, and we talked about uh, the support, um, facilitation, the the camera, those on, on the different levels. I do think you know to this idea that for you know to me it's forgiveness of self and that gentleness with self that is so mm-hmm. crucial to the transition is that really learning to I think one of the greatest life lessons is learning to trust your grief that when you hit that pain it's not a problem it's an opportunity yeah yeah well I think we, we've talked about a lot of different things. We've covered and some good ground. We have, you thank know, you and so this much. is the end of another episode. So, Hal, thank you so much for being our guest so tonight. How to can people thank get a hold of you? Uh, you can go to uh, my website, which I want to be perfectly honest. Is it, it's accessible, and you can send me a note there. Uh, but uh, because I'm grateful to be busy enough that I haven't fully launched it, but it's consciousevolution.us. Great. Great. Thank you so much for being our guest. Sam, thanks for being on the board tonight. This has been another great episode of The Robin Callie Show. If you want to reach us, you can go to hello at therobincallieshow.com. Now we are so with it. Rob made me change the email the other day. There we go. Excited. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Take care, y'all. Thank you. Thanks, Callie. Thanks, Rob. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc.